You're listening to Conversion Nations, the podcast that helps conversion optimizers overcome challenges they face with their experimentation programs. Brought to you by Effective Experiments, the workflow and project management software helping optimizers make experimentation a core part of their business. Scale up your testing program with a centralized solution and document all your research, ideas, experiments, and results in one place. Learn more and request your free trial by visiting EffectiveExperiments.com. And now, your host, Manuel DaCosta. Hey, welcome to Conversion Nations Episode 4. This is Manuel DaCosta from Effective Experiments. And we're live in Manchester, United Kingdom for a special one-off live podcast uh, with none other than Bart Skutz. Bart Skutz from Online Dialogue. Welcome to the, to the podcast. Good to have it's you here. It's a real pleasure to be here. Man. Yeah, good to have you here. So we were in uh, doing a meetup last night in Manchester. Right um, here. Right here in the same venue. Um, and we thought, let's do, a, let's do a podcast and let's talk about psychology. Now, the one question we talked about last night was this feature that we have within Effective Experiments, which is quite a, quite a big feature that people like, like and, they, and they want. And I wanted to get your, psycholo- your, your evaluation of, of the psychology behind it. What feature? Okay, so this is uh, the feature where people can share their, um, their tests, their experiments with the wider uh, team and say, you know, version A or version B1, you know, choose which one is winning. And then based on that, they can gamify it and make it uh, fun and easy and, you know, put, it, uh, put leaderboards and stuff. So that's already there. And some people really like that. So I wanted to know, is this something that CROs should focus on? Right. So I have a question in return, but I think I know the answer. Is, what, is the main reason that they request that feature because they, they want more engagement with the experimentation? Yeah, that, that's the idea yeah, behind right. it. So, so then you, they tend to, so can we sort of gamify it? And yeah, because the idea, right. as with, with effective experiments, yeah. like our vision is making yeah. experimentation the core part of the business. So it's like sharing, making it fun, yeah. making it easy, you know, that kind of stuff. So, so um, from a behavioral scientific point of view, um, gamification, making it visible how, uh, you know, what, what gets upgraded or not is what we call an extrinsic motivator okay because it's not the like we i intrinsically want to engage more with the tool or with the experimental program but uh, i want to gain you know uh, uh, points i want to have more likes i want to get badges you know mm-hmm. be higher up the leaderboard etc sure. but that's an extrinsic motivator so um, the behavior becomes dependent on this motivator which in a short term is a good thing because they will be engaged more. Okay. So gamification is a really good thing to get people engaged on a short term horizon. Right? So if you're going to experiment, it'll probably feel good. The, the big thing to look out for is that on the long term, you're not able to keep it gamified all of the time. Right? So there's at, at some point they're on top of the leaderboard, then what? At some point you're out of badges, right? At some point right. you're out of points. Right? Sure. Um, it, and then you actually make the behavior dependent on this gamified um, in, um, interface and you will see that actually people stop using it and not be engaged but you also took away the ex- intrinsic motivation so it's um, if you do it you shoot as soon as possible as soon as people get engaged sort of get rid of it and make them attribute their engagement with the uh, with the program 
two intrinsic motivators. So how cool that you're so uh, participating in this and, and believe in the value of experimentation, et cetera, et cetera. Right. It's, 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 it's maybe, um, uh, as a metaphor, it's like raising kids. Sure. Right? If I want my kids to finish their plate at night, I might give them an external reward. I might gamify it, I might leaderboard. This is the, the kit of, I only got two, right? So it's not a large <laughs> yeah, leaderboard. Sure. <laughs> that finished most of his or her plates and, yeah. and, uh, and that will have a short-term effect. Okay. But I will have to keep on doing that, keep on rewarding that. Right? Um, typically, in the beginning, we gave extra desserts, but I'm not gonna give extra desserts for the rest of my life. So I wanna take the gamification and the rewards, extrinsic rewards, out as soon as possible because actually in the end gamification tends to kill the behavior because it's an it's not an intrinsic reward it's an extrinsic reward you want people to you know, intrinsically want to participate engage in the program and right not because they're getting badges high leaderboard positions yeah. etc yeah and then there's another issue with uh, how typically uh, uh, CRO tools nowadays have these uh, leaderboards best IDs best most voted IDs yeah is that in all honesty, you know, most experiments r turn out inconclusive, right? A few of them actually go significantly worse than expected. So sure. you're expecting an uplift, but the number of, like if you're in an ex experiment to program, you know, the average winner ratio is probably between 5% and 50%. That means that more often than not, yeah. it's not a wall of fame, it's a wall of shame. Right, okay. That's not very motivating either, true, right? True, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, we all uploaded this ID, you know what? We were all wrong! Right. And wrong again, wrong yeah. again, wrong again. And then, then what happens? Are they getting engaged more? Gamification is a very hard um, way to use in order to... Uh, it's a very short-term, powerful yeah. instrument, but it, it, it has to be, and this is very difficult, and then as soon as possible made intrinsic. So what you're saying is, like, when we consider leaderboards as well, is that yeah. sort of competition in the context of conversion optimization the wrong thing? Because ultimately, you're creating uh, people competing against each other with yeah. their ideas, and then yeah, what, what happens then? Well, um, um, uh, I've been in a lot of companies where the competition is actually a big issue. Right. And there are even, um, uh, we're not going to mention, but I think you know who I'm referring to, where the culture of competition is actually a big problem nowadays. Right. Because it, this is a multidisciplinary field, right? Sure. You need data scientists, web analysts, you need behavioral experts or UX people, you need designers, developers, front-enders. Um, there are so many disciplines involved. They need to cooperate together. Right. It's a joint effort. Yeah. If, if you make every step dependent on one person, if you have leaderboards where people are individually voting, individually praised for whatever, this not creating a, a cohesive, uh, cooperating culture. Yeah, and you need that. You need that, right? Okay. Yeah, and it's difficult because there's so many interdependencies, right? But in order to be very, very efficient, effective, have the best ideas, achieve the highest velocity with the highest quality uplifts in each experiment, you need to cooperate. Okay. And with uh, with uh, the idea itself, the idea is really not worth much unless it gets executed and built and stuff. So that yeah. game of attributing where the idea really succeeds is hard to measure. But again, as you see, if companies are focusing their, you know, the leaderboards on who's come up with the idea and rewarding them based I'm on I'm not going to help you with a good idea. Yeah, why, you know would, what? Yeah. Why, why would I? Yeah. You, you'll be praised for it. I'm not. Exactly. And that's exactly. what happens in, in a few of these larger companies where, the, where you actually get rewarded for bringing up good ideas. People stop cooperating. So I'm not going to improve your ID. So yeah. I, I, I see you're going to make a mistake. Right? Yeah. 
because you got a good idea, but in the execution, in, in the, 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 the way you're, you, you create your challenge or your treatment condition, um, I see a small mistake and I'll, I'll, I'll shut my mouth. Yeah, you wouldn't. And I'm going to do another experiment, <laughs> which is based actually on your ID. Right. And I'll be, this is not the way to. No, correct. Right. So we want to in, uh, encourage a culture of collaboration in companies doing optimization. Yeah. How do you see that happening? How do you, would you well, set you the groundwork? Well, you have to reward the whole team. Okay. Right? So, but not on an individual level. Okay. Um, and that, uh, I think there's still a big challenge, uh, big, big, um, challenge for a lot of the tools out there to to show the um, uh, the, the value of the team right on a, on a, on a management c-suite uh, director level we are not very uh, capable yet uh, to show the business value of these teams and of these programs they still want to compare us against you know PPC or social yeah. media marketing and they don't see the value let alone that they see that this is sort of a validation of all your efforts. We've still, we've still got a way to go there, but um, the only way to, to really uh, make sure that these teams are empowered and engaged is to reward them as teams you did such a huge, perfect job together. And also don't start competing between teams. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole level if you have many teams to compete with. Yeah, right? that's, yeah. that's a different scale of problems you have over there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who is responsible for this thing? Who in the company should be responsible for the reward, setting the rewards and making sure that people are uh, rewarded accordingly on a, on a right. team basis rather than right. individual so, basis? So um, I think there are two aspects to this question. Uh, first of all are what I call the hygiene factors. Right. right? The hygiene factors are res the responsibility of the highest management because for example hygiene for me is enough development resources. Okay. Right. These experiments all good ideas, but they have to be built. And that means that if there's a text print which sort of interrupts the whole experimental program and all the tests wind down, then there's a new version of the site life, all our coding gets corrupted, that's hygiene. Right. But that's, that's a very high level. This high level typically does not have the insights and the steering mechanisms reported to at this level okay. from, it, from the CRO teams and efforts. So there's a disconnect there, yeah. but it's, it is their responsibility. Okay. But typically we go like, oh, we need more resources, and you can't show me why, you don't, sh you don't show me how big the problem is, you don't show me your regret, what's the business value of adding more front-end developers, etc. Yeah, or back-end if you're server-sided, whatever. Um, so that's one. But as soon as hygiene, we're facilitating the process, then that's absolutely the CRO manager. So the, the, or, the, or the product owner, if you have product teams, that are doing uh, CRO within their teams. Yeah. Um, if you have a center of excellence team for CRO, um, um, then there's a, a, a large responsibility there. Uh, but again, I think that the, the, the most successful companies create this culture of experimentation, um, democratize the ideas, anyone can bring in ideas, everyone's rewarded for it. It's not that you will get all the credits, right. it's a team effort, but you know we're all in this together. Um, and that's the culture you should create as the product owner or CRO manager of a CRO team. Okay. How can I use psychology in this? You're a psychologist. What psychological tips and tricks can I use in motivating right. these people? So my first reaction always is <laughs> stop thinking, stop talking, start acting and experimenting more because you know what? Um, behavioral science is... Uh, if there's one thing we found out in the past, maybe two and a half thousand, but let's say 50 years, is that it's very complex. Okay. 
and our own brain, our conscious minds, know very little about what drives human behavior. So you can think so much about how to improve something for your user, probably that time is not very effectively spent. It's better just to come up with ideas, also more um, uh, irrational, counterintuitive ideas, just experiment, experiment as much as possible, because the more you talk about it, le the less you experiment, right? We, I still see a lot of companies where they do not track the amount of hours spent for each experiment. Okay. So typically they will talk over experiments a lot, they spend over 100 hours for each experiment, and, and, and I think, yeah, being a behavioral scientist, that is time wasted, because in 100 hours, if you wouldn't talk and think so much with your consciousness that's not aware of all the drivers of human behavior, yeah. then you could have run twice or maybe even three times the amount of experiments that would definitely uplift the effectiveness of the program, bring more business value. Um, so that's one, okay. right? But as soon as you're reaching your bandwidth, either statistically, right? So you can't experiment any more, any more than that, unless your uh, a priori power goes down, uh, or you're just reaching the capacity of the teams. Right? So you're very efficient, you don't spend too much time in it then the only way is not to improve the quantity of the experiment but the quality sure and that's of course a part where uh, behavior science can assist you with um, but still i believe it's way more easy typically to double the amount of experiments uh, compared to doubling the average uplift or the the winner ratio of the experimentation uh, but if you start looking at the quality or the the, the input of those experiments then behavioral scientists will be able to think outside the rational box, uh -huh. do experiments that feel counterintuitive at friction at some points, or you know, taking away the typical persuasion tactics that I'm not very fond of, very often social proof is very counter-effective, but a good behavioral scientist knows under which circumstances these um, uh, uh, brain processes actually operate, and it will, that, that, that will increase the, uh, the number of winners, the insights you gain from it. And that brings me to another uh, topic. If you run a lot of experiments, if you want to sort of get, build your, your customer intelligence on that, first party customer intelligence, there's no more valid and reliable intelligence than your own experimental program. Sure. You need a behavioral scientist to make, to, to, to make a, uh, to get true insights out of all that data. Right, so, so behavioral scientists typically see, typically, um, adds more data to it, uh, looks at behavioral segments, um, looks whether the sun shines, right. Right? connects data like that, where I was going like, why would that be an influence? It's a huge influencer. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely added value for a, uh, for a behavioral scientist. So it's first of all, don't think too much, experiment more, because it's very hard to predict what works better, what not. And yep. then if in the experimentation, actually there's another one, okay, uh, which is behavioral scientists, out of four years of universal university training, uh, one year is about experimental design and statistics. Okay, yeah, sure. So they know about uh, frequencies, uh, set up experiments. statistics, and they know about base statistics. They, they know when to use a t-test or a, a ANOVA, you know. Yeah. And what it does with bandwidth and with power levels, and they know they know our a priori power uh, analysis, etc. So that you're not wasting good ideas um, on uh, inconclusive uh, tests. So that's also 
in the tests themselves improve just the quality of the experiments, but then also in the end build that customer intelligence based on all the experiments. That's a lot of reasons why I think it's very good. Okay. To either get a behavioral scientist or a team or try to become a behavioral scientist yourself. Now, talking about that, you have a course online, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that and uh, yeah. Uh, you can just check out the page wheelofpersuasion.com slash course. I um, have 18 and a half hours of lectures okay. in there. So it's not a uh, snippy snippy, very short, I tell you a few tactics. I think every, everyone wants easy, uh, easy, the easy it's way. Not, right? It's not the easy one. <laughs> this is the one if you really want to learn about how complex human behavior is and what is known in, in behavioral science. But it's very much focused on, uh, on digital communication, on, on especially conversion rate optimization. We have a lot of A-B test examples just yeah. to uh, uh, show you how we put these scientific insights into practice. And, and I think it's a lot of fun, right? I, people that follow that course yeah. are typically very, very um, uh, happy that they did it. I don't have to spread out the word too much because they do that. Right? Awesome. That's, but uh, if, if you're interested in learning about the course, uh, it's wheelofpersuasion.com uh, forward slash course. Uh, that's all the time we have for this uh, special one-off live Conversionations with uh, about scuds. Thank you. I have I have one request for people. Uh, Go on. Uh, yeah, by all means. Yeah. So no, I actually have two. Okay. Yeah. But this is not one commitment and consistency, right? <laughs> I'll ask for one. Sure. And I'll take two. Sure. <laughs> so the first one is, um, with all the experimentation, um, in my opinion, we are currently running the biggest psychological uh, experiment ever. The amount of people in randomized controlled experiments, which we call A/B test, but uh, is immense. There's an immense growth of understanding what drives human behavior, but we have to share it because it will be in the benefit for all of us. Right? I dislike a bit the fact that it's commercial companies that are now gaining this, this knowledge on what drives us without sharing it with the rest because it's not in the benefit for all of us. So please share what you're finding and, 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 make, and make it public. And then the second thing is, when you run experimentation, then typically the goal is a business goal, your company goal, right? It's, it's your interest. There's another interest you should be analyzing, which is the customer interest. Um, if there are vulnerable groups in your population, you should see, analyze the effects on those groups because you might be hurting people uh, like unintentionally, but if you do not analyze, you don't know whether you do it, right? And that might feel good, but you're still doing it. So I want to have a zero world where, where running experiment is not only based on the company interests and, and goals and KPIs like conversion rates, customer lifetime values, but also on the, on the more human well, well-being aspects like time spent, uh, financially wise decisions, etc. in order to uh, create a better world with a better understanding of what drive humans. Nice. Bart, thank you for joining this uh, special Conversion Nations and for you uh, watching or listening Thank you uh, for joining conversionations.com. This was brought to you by Effective Experiments. Uh, this is Manuel da Costa signing off. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to Conversionations. Don't forget to subscribe to get notified when we release new updates. Conversionations is brought to you by Effective Experiments. Want to make experimentation a core part of your business? Request your demo and let us show you how we can help you grow your testing program.